Good morning, good morning, good morning. Happy Sabbath. Glad that we could all be here. Can I set this over here, Bob? Okay. I'll try not to spill it on your computer. Um, three Christmas promises. The three Christmas promises that I want to talk about today are light, leniency, and love. Three Christmas promises, light, leniency, and love. If you would like to, open your Bibles with me to the Gospel of John. We're going to start in chapter 1, and we're going to read John 1, 1 through 5. But first, I'm going to speak in tongues. Hope you all don't mind. Enarhi inologos. Que o logos in proston teon, que theos in o logos. Now the Bible says that when anyone speaks in a tongue, he needs to interpret, or somebody else needs to interpret, or what? Let him be silent. Can anyone interpret that for me? Thank you. He has a preacher for a son. So. Oh, and a father, yes. So you you were around Greek. Yeah, that's what the Greek says. Um, Enarchi. In the beginning. Uh, a lot of our English words come from Greek. But in English, we don't have that sound. Enarchi. Uh, if we were German, we would be familiar with that sound because they like the a lot. So in English, when we say enarchi, we say enarchi. Key. Does that sound familiar? Anarchy. That's where we get our word anarchy. Now that's not what the Greek actually means, but that's where it comes from. That's that's kind of way back in the beginning. There was chaos. There was anarchy, uh, and the spirit of God moved upon the waters. There was anarchy. So we also get words like archaic, which kind of like way back, right? Way back. Archetype. Because you have to have the pattern, the archetype, first. And then you get what comes after. And then we have archangel. I've done a study on Michael the archangel. And I've come to believe that it was the second person of the Godhead who took on the form of an angel, just like he then later took on the form of a human being. So it seems that the second person of the Godhead has the role of taking on the form and the function of God's created beings so that we can understand him at our level. Isn't that amazing? So I'm sure you've watched, uh, well, I'm sure you've talked to children before. And when you, when you talk to children, you have to get on their level, right? You, you have to speak to them. Uh, you have to start with some simple ideas. And have you ever watched children play with other children? They love it. They get completely lost because they can communicate with each other on their level. Uh, my two oldest kids, my son, he learned to speak, and I couldn't understand him, but his older sister, who was like a year and a half older, he would say, blah, 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 
And my daughter would say, oh, he's hungry for some oatmeal. I'd be like, what? How'd you get that? Well, it's because she was on his level, communicating on his level. So that's what Jesus did. That's what the, the Christmas story is all about. It's about Jesus, God, becoming one of us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light is shining in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Amen. Is that light shining into your darkness? I pray that it is. So the light that Jesus came to give, he came to give in some ways to our flesh eyes. Uh, We're not used to communicating with God who is spirit and who is truth because we are physical flesh beings. And sometimes that makes Christianity difficult, Uh, especially if, you know, there's a lot of people who kind of look at religion and they say, oh, well, you know, that works for you. That's great. Um, or that's uh, a set of principles uh, that seem to work for you, or, you know, it's kind of the placebo effect. You believe something, and you believe it hard enough, then it kind of comes true. Well, I've never been that kind of person. I've always wanted to know, is this the truth? Like, is God real? You know? Um, It's one of the reasons that when I wasn't following God, I was tempted to mess around with witchcraft because sometimes we feel like okay well if i can prove that satan is real then i can prove that god is real right and i'm here to tell you that if you stare into the abyss long enough it begins to stare back at you and i did have some experiences that let me know that there is a spirit world where there are demonic spirits, and they will manifest if you pursue them long enough. Now, when the Holy Spirit came to me, he asked me, why are you so willing to believe in evil spirits and not me? And and he didn't talk to me like in my flesh ears. He spoke to me in my spirit. And he spoke to me in my spirit, and that's what I want to mention to you in Romans chapter 8, verse 16. This is the first verse that came to my mind when the Holy Spirit just came into my consciousness and boom and I was like is are you really speaking to me God like well it wasn't are you really speaking to me but I knew he was I'm like how do I know that I know this there's got to be some scripture to back it up and this is what Romans 8 16 says says the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God so sometimes we we start at the foundation and we say that the spirit is only breath. But if the spirit is only breath and it's not conscious, then how can the Holy Spirit communicate with it? So the the spirit is an organ. It's a spiritual organ in our consciousness that the Holy Spirit communicates with. Now, that's not to say that at death 
it's conscious, right? It goes to sleep. The Bible's very clear about that. So I'm not trying to say that after death, the spirit lives on in some kind of consciousness floating around in heaven. But the Bible's very clear that it's asleep. But I want to ask you a question. When you're asleep, are you alive? Yeah, you're alive. And what does God say? He's not the God of the dead, but of the living. So our spirits, when we die, go back to God who created it. Ecclesiastes 12, 7. And to God, we are alive. We are in, we are with God, asleep in Christ until he comes the second time. Um, the point I'm trying to make here is that the Holy Spirit communicates with our spirit. And if you persist in communicating with the Holy Spirit, this is why prayer is so important, you will discover that the Holy Spirit will begin to communicate with you. He will begin to communicate with you by answering your prayers. Circumstances will happen. You'll ask for something. He'll bring someone into your life. He will bring an experience into your life. Um, I've had experiences where he uses something on television, and I'm like, boom, wow, I just prayed for that this morning. And he will open your eyes. He will open your ears. This is what Jesus came to teach us. He said, I came that they may know you, Father. And what did he say that God is? God is spirit and God is life. So when you see in the Bible the times when God communicates people using their physical senses, it's because when our forefather, Adam, and our foremother, Eve, sinned, the spirit part of them died. And that's why you have to be born again. You have to be born again because the Holy Spirit has to wake your spirit up. And this is what happens when you have ears to hear. He who has an ear, let him hear. So Jesus came to give us light. And that's the light that I want to remind you about today and share with you. Because if your prayer life starts to get dull, or if you're not used to having a prayer life, I want to encourage you to have a prayer life and to communicate with the Holy Spirit in your spirit. And understand that when you open yourself up spiritually and you say to the Holy Spirit, please teach me, give me an ear to hear your silent whisper. Give me eyes to see your invisible form. Then you will begin to have that. And if you, if you lose it, God will bring it back to you. So light, this is what Jesus came to to give us. Where did my notes go? Here we go. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Now, it says in the beginning, and I just want to make one more point before we move on to leniency and then love. Uh, God doesn't have a beginning. So, He is an incredible being that in Revelation he describes himself as he who was, he who is, and he who is to come. This is amazing. Some people want to say that we are similar beings and that we just have these eternal cycles and, you know, go back forever. That's not what the Bible teaches. Jesus said, before Abraham was... I am. 
So in other words, there was a time when the human being Abraham was not. Because how else could Jesus be before Abraham was? So the Bible teaches that there was a time when you didn't exist. And, and this just seems obvious, right? But there was never a time when God didn't exist. He is the one who was, the one who is, and the one who is to come. And it's going to be amazing living through eternity, learning and growing and becoming and never-ending. Leniency. So uh, this summer, I have an old Chrysler. It's a Chrysler 300, and it's got the big engine, the 3.5 liter. And it's 18 years old, and I think we bought it, what, seven years ago? And since then, we've put like $14,000 into it, partly because of COVID. The price of cars have just gone up, so I'm like, eh, we'll just keep on putting money into this thing. And um, I was coming home off of I-70, and, you know, when you turn on to 86, I think it is, is that right? Is it 86? And you first come right off of I-70, you're looking for like three, four, five miles, and it kind of goes down and then down and then, you know, kind of back up. So you can see for a while. And there were no cars coming. And I was like, I want to see how fast this old barrel can roll. So I put that to the metal, and I started going, and I'm looking at the speedometer. It's 90 miles an hour, 100 miles an hour, 110 miles an hour. And up from the part of the hill I couldn't see when I started came a cop. And he turned on his cherries, and he whipped around, and I saw him in my rearview mirror. And for a half second, I thought about keep it going, but I was like, that would be really stupid, right? So I pulled off to the side of the road, and he got, he got out, and he was kind of smiling. And he came to my window and he said, <clears throat> the stupidest question I've ever heard, do you know why I stopped you? And I started laughing, and I said, yeah, probably because I was driving like a bat out of Hades. And he started laughing, and he says, I appreciate your candor, because most people try to lie. Most people try to say, oh, well, the speedometer and this and that, and... Uh, I said, no. I said, honestly, officer, I was trying to find out how fast this car would go. And, and I didn't see anybody around, so uh, I thought it would be okay. He said, well, unfortunately, despite your honesty, he said, uh, you were going way too fast for me to give you a warning. I'm going to have to give you a ticket. So he went back, and he came back with the ticket, and he said, do you know how fast you were going? And I said... The last time I looked at my speedometer, it was 110 miles an hour. He goes, do you know that in the state of Colorado, if you're going 40 miles an hour over the posted speed limit, it's a felony? And it's an automatic revocation of your license? And I said, "Uh, no, I did not know that. I was ignorant of that law. He goes, well, lucky for you, I clocked you at 104 miles an hour, one mile less. And I said, thank you, officer. And he said, you're welcome. And it made me think of God in the book of Acts, where it says God winks at our ignorance. But now, because of the revelation of Jesus Christ, he has called all men everywhere to repent. Why? Because God becoming a man shows us that sin is a lie that not only tries to kill us, it tries to kill God. 
that's the point of that that's the whole goal of sin is to destroy the very creator destroy self and destroy the very creator and so in the light of that revelation we are called to repent of our sins but because Jesus came he can be lenient not only because of our ignorance but he can he can forgive trespasses trespasses are sins that we commit knowing that we're committing sin when we repent right First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I repeat that every time I sin, especially when the devil comes and beats me up about the head and shoulders. <laughs> uh, God has been very lenient with me. I am not worthy to stand up here and talk. And maybe you don't feel worthy because of your past because of your present, because of whatever you're struggling with right now. But God uses sinners. He uses sinners because he wants to come to us on our level. And even though he himself will never sin, because he can't be tempted with sin, because he knows the end from the beginning. He knows that sin is just a stupid lie that causes nothing but harm and pain. But he uses us to come and talk to each other, to encourage each other, to keep going. So God is lenient. He's lenient with sin, but only to a point. And I do want to say that when I went to court, the prosecutor was really nice, and she's, she, there was a bunch of people at court, right? So they want to get you through. So she says, uh, Mr. Brasington, how about if I knock that speeding ticket down to the next level lowest, and we'll only take three points off your license, and we'll you know, charge you, I don't know what it was, $200. So even though the police officer was lenient, and even though the judge was lenient, there were still some consequences, weren't there? And and that's the way God is with our sin. Even though he's forgiven my sins from the past, there are some consequences that I'm dealing with right now and probably will be dealing with for the rest of my life as a messenger from Satan, so to speak. But God allows it. So, you know, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. And so it's a reminder to me that, hey, just because God is forgiving and merciful and lenient, understand that sin causes harm. So let's get away from it. And my wife was really excited. She's sitting right there. She was really excited when our insurance agent told us that our insurance is going up. Like what? $100 a month or something? So there's another consequence and it's going to be like that for the next three years. Reminding me don't do it again. So even though God takes away the eternal consequences of sin, uh, he does allow some temporal consequences to remind us, hey, don't do that again. You know? So one of the Christmas promises is leniency. Christmas promise is light. Christmas promise is leniency. And finally, love. Look, man, I had a good time at the Christmas shop. How many of you were there? Yes? Okay, if you weren't there, you'll, you want to do it next year. I guess, how many years have you guys been doing this? This is the fourth. The fourth. So we just kind of got involved with Castle Rock Church a little more. Uh, regularly, I go out of town a lot for my job, so um, I can't be here every single week. But, um, man, seeing those kids, I mean, 
this whole place was full. We had so many gifts left over. I think they only took about a third of the gifts. We had tables set up, and they were separated by age and whatever, and the kids could come. And if there was a group of kids, they could choose a couple of gifts for mom and a couple of gifts for dad. And then each of the siblings had to choose a gift for each of the other siblings, so they, they couldn't really choose a gift for themselves. Uh, so it's kind of you know getting the idea into their mind of, of giving for Christmas. But, uh Wow. That's amazing. And you know, when a church is working together, they're not pointing figures and bugging each other and judging each other. Uh, they're having a good time. They're having a good time because that's, that's what Christianity is about. It's about loving each other. And when you're loving each other and you're loving others and you're working together to love others, it's fun. You know, not always. We have to face persecution sometimes in this life. Although, you know, Paul, he, he talks about light affliction. I mean, our persecutions are pretty light. Uh, I face persecution, and if you're a Christian, you face persecution too, but your persecution is probably pretty light. And what's interesting is when Paul called his affliction light, he had to fight wild beasts in Ephesus. He had to get stoned two or three times to the point where he was unconscious, and they carried him out and threw him on a pile of dead bodies because they thought he was dead. And he called that light affliction. So our light affliction, he said, is real small compared to the love of God in Christ Jesus, which is giving us an eternity, an eternity of expansion and learning and growing. I mean, what he has planned for us, no eye has seen, no ear has heard. And that's one of the reasons why Jesus was willing to give up his divine position, give up the independent use of his godhood, give up his equality with the Father, Philippians 2 says, and become a humble human being because he wanted to show us, hey, being a human being is so great because what God has planned for you in the future that I'll become one too to show you how awesome it's going to be and how attractive and desirable it really is. Jesus said, from his human perspective, no man has greater love than this that he lays down his life for his friends. And that was Jesus' human motivation. His God divine motivation was an eternal, eternal love that we can barely understand. And I think about as a human being how Jesus had to face the cross every day. He knew from the time he was probably about 12. I think that's one of the reasons why he sat in the temple and got the ear of the rabbis because he knew what that Passover lamb meant. And he was at 12 years old going, uh, I don't know. He, he had to face that. So a week ago, Friday, I went to the dentist and I've been dreading it because I went there six months ago and they're like, yeah, you've got, um, periodontal disease. Well, no wonder I haven't been to the dentist in several years because I hate going to the dentist. And we're going to have to do a deep cleaning. S, what do they call it? SRP scale and root procedure or something where they get in there with this tool and they go under your gums and it's like you hear this high pitched going in your ear from the outside and the inside and ugh. so I went through one half because they have to paralyze your 
mouth so you don't feel anything and you know they don't want to do both halves at the same time so a week ago friday uh they did one of the i don't remember which one they did one side oh my goodness it took like two hours and it was difficult to sit there it was painful even though they put the anesthesia in and then they said okay great we're going to do the next procedure on monday boy i was looking forward to that And it made me think about the cross and how much love it took. I did that really out of self-care, self-love, which is not a bad thing. God wants us to love ourselves according to the love and the value that he places on us. There's nothing wrong with self-love if it's submitted to God. And we have a responsibility to care for ourselves. So me going to the dentist, really going through that pain, that that self-sacrifice, was mainly for myself. Well, you know, I suppose my wife too, right? But but um, it's mainly for myself. Jesus had to have tremendous love to go through that cross experience. He, he didn't have to do it. He could have said, mm, I've changed my mind. You know? But he did it because he really truly loved us. And that's the Christmas promise. Love, the kind of love that lasts for eternity. And I like to think about this often. And we'll end here. Because I was thinking about this the other day. I always try to think about, you know, what does eternity really mean? And I wonder, you know, after a trillion, trillion years, what a monkey's going to be. You think the monkey is going to still be just a monkey? I don't. Do you think a worm is going to just still be a worm after a trillion years? Well, we don't know for sure, and we can discuss it and have different opinions, but I don't think so. And part of the reason I don't think so is because God gives us hints in nature, right? What happens to a worm that we call a caterpillar? After time, it becomes a butterfly. And I think in time, we are going to become really, truly new creatures. I mean, do you really think you're going to be just the same human being in a trillion years? And I was thinking, you know, God is giving himself away. Now, when he gives himself away, it's not like he loses anything. But I was thinking, wow, you know, after a trillion, 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 trillion years, we're going to go, wow, God, you've given half of yourself away. And then we're going to realize the other half is not another half. It's eternity. God is infinite. He, he's, he's always going to have more. He's always going to have something more interesting. People who are like, I don't want to go to heaven anyways because we're just going to sit around on the cloud and play harp. No. God has such wonderful things planned for us that eye has not seen and ear has not heard. And because of Christmas, we don't need to fear death because the love of God is going to be poured out on us in so many different ways throughout eternity. So please remember these Christmas promises, light, leniency, and love. Should we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Christmas, for this season where even the whole world that is secular is brought to the thoughts of giving. And even though we have a lot of cultural things that um, are just tradition, it's a time, Lord, when everybody really is reminded of how you became a human being and were willing to teach us about your love.
We thank you for this. And we praise you for this. And we open up our hearts to you for this. We open up our ears, our spiritual ears, our spiritual eyes. We pray that you would touch our eyes, touch our ears, and give us spiritual hearing, give us spiritual seeing, so that we can know that you are real and personal in our lives. When we fall away and when we forget that, Father, we pray that you would draw us back and reopen our ears, reopen our eyes, and help us, Father, to have a satisfying, joyful, meaningful friendship with you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.